You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So, again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think, uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Boya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Ashley. Glad to have you back in the saddle with me once again. Really, really appreciate this when this good Good Saturday morning. How are you doing, Queen? I'm good. You know, it's it's a little dreary. Like, this is the weather that I live for in the winter. Well, we're not quite at winter yet, but everything's good on this side. You you actually like dreary weather? That's oh, my God, yes. Yes, oh, it's wow. the perfect, like, it's the best way that you can relax in your home. It's not too bright. It just makes okay. me want to relax. Oh, okay. Well, you just probably made other people like dreary weather. I always thought dreary <laughs> was the weather you didn't like, but okay. All right. All right, Miss Dre- Miss Dreary. That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, all good. Let's go ahead and introduce our special guest for this morning before we let the cat out the bag on this morning's discussion question. Tanjanika Daniels, how are you doing, Queen? Thank you for being with us this morning. Um, tell me if I pronounced the first name right. I think you go by Tangy, but you can correct me and let me know. But I'm so glad to have you on with us this morning. How are you doing this morning, Queen? Good morning. I am excellent. Thank you for having me. And you absolutely pronounced that right. So thank you. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, glad to have you. If you will, Queen, give people a little bit of your background as it relates to this board's discussion question. For those who haven't seen the promotions, they're still waiting to hear what that question is, but it'll all make sense when we give them the discussion question. So go into your background just a little bit, if you don't mind, Queen. Excellent. So, um, again, hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show. My name is Tanjanika. I'm the CEO of Tactical Tangerine. We specialize in Premier 2A content, events, and training. I am a certified firearms instructor. I'm a certified Glock armorer, and I'm also a Marine Corps veteran who did two tours in Iraq. I 
am an adamant <laughs> an advocate for the two way community. So, and I'm adamant about people exercising their two way rights. So, I'm excited to be here and have this discussion with you all. Uh, glad to have you, uh, intellectual outcast, being introduced to a new guest. Um, quite often in our circle, I have the smartest audience in all the radio, so I'll bring on a lot of our guests. So if you show improved, Tejanika, we're going to definitely bring you back. I'm definitely looking forward to having this discussion with you. This morning's discussion question, do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? Do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? So the way we always start the question, actually, I'm going to actually take you off uh, a, a typical start because you were very excited actually to be a part of this show. So if you will, Queen, let the audience know uh, why you wanted to be a part of this show before we before you answer what was your initial thought. So just to give people that little you know, that little tidbit of your interest in this morning's discussion. Uh, yeah. So I mean, for the people that have heard me before, I love emotions, talking about all of that, but. Specifically for this conversation, um, I am a supporter of black women being in the gun range and owning guns. Um, I, I am a part of a gun club here in Atlanta. So, you know, for me, these conversations are very important and creating a space where we can talk about guns without the fear and the stigma that comes with it. So I'm all on board. I love it. So as you can hear you have a, 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 a basically a, a someone who's looking forward to to meeting you down the line. That's what we do. We dialogue and connect, and so we're not here every Saturday morning just to have these dialogues. We like to connect people. But this morning's discussion question: Do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? So Ashley, if you will, so Tejanika, how we do it? Give us your just your initial thought when you heard the question worded that particular way. Ashley? Oh, okay. You you gave our our special guest name after the question. So, okay. Uh, my first thought was, oh, this is going to be interesting. I love it. I love it. All right, we'll move it over to you, Tanjanika, if you will, Queen. Um, your initial thought when you heard it worded that way, I called you and said, hey, here's the question. What was your initial thought, if you will? So my initial thought when I when I you know got the call from you, you told me the question, and the question to me should have been changed to, do we need more guns and emotional intelligence? I thought that either or was divisive, and I thought that you know it was a great conversation piece, but both are needed, and I wanted to make sure I was on here to <laughs> offer my viewpoints and my opinions on that subject. So that's what I thought. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, very interested. I'm actually trying to get our emotional intelligence coach, Elisa Ward, on. She's having some issues getting on. So hopefully we'll have that expert side of things as well. And I'm not mad at you about the end. Definitely understand that. Uh, but, you know, to, to, for the marketing, we want to get into it from, in a sense, both sides of it. And we, in a sense, pit pitted in that manner. But at the end of the day, um, you're absolutely right. If both are necessary we definitely want to come to that conclusion and help people out there who are listening i actually got a few minutes um again hoping to get alisa on if not we'll figure it out and rock again like to have that level of expertise with any discussion that we're having so um if you will just give us a, a couple of more thoughts and then we're going to go to a break and we're going to get 
deeper into this discussion again long obviously long time long time advocate you push for as you say two a rights matter of fact let me just throw this out there because some people have never even heard the second amendment um if you to be you know as simple as it is i just wanted to read it real quickly and make and kind of make that to start again hoping to get our special guest on with us all right the second amendment as it reads a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be a friend. Be, be infringed. I'm sorry. So, Tejadika, any thoughts to just hearing the Second Amendment read again, knowing that some people haven't heard it specifically? We just hear the push for it, whether you're for or against gun control, if you will. You'll hear the push, and sometimes people never actually read it. Your thoughts when you hear the Second Amendment again? Um, yes, yeah, so I'm not a constitutionalist. I was called three-fifths of a human in the Constitution, so I truly don't go by that piece of paper. But if it's going to govern how we run our society, then the Second Amendment is kind of high up there. If there's, you know, a list of them and it's number two and the first one being free speech, then you can say whatever you want, but you should be able to back it up with firearms is what I interpret it to be. And more importantly than the Constitution, we have an inherent right to protect ourselves, our families, our loved ones, so that we can continue to procreate and continue the human race. And so it's deeper than just a piece of paper saying that, yes, you have the right to bear arms. This is a situation where you have the right to protect yourself naturally. And so the Second Amendment just backs up was already ordained for us. And that's why I'm an advocate for it. I think it's super important for everyone to understand and recognize it because for years we weren't allowed to exercise our Second Amendment right for different reasons, mostly racism, but um, and economic leverage, et cetera. So we weren't able to exercise those rights. So now that we're able to, now that we have the information, we see laws are changing, we see things are happening and put, being put in place to even further prevent us from doing that. So I'm a real advocate for everyone utilizing this piece of paper that we are all governed by, allegedly, to say this is my right and this is why I'm using it. But more importantly than that, you have a God-given right to protect yourself. Now, I love it. We'll go to a break. We'll come back and continue this morning's discussion. Do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? We'll be right back where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. seeing is a very specific, dramatic increase in murder and gun violence. There was about a 30% increase nationally in murder from 2019 to 2020. Year on year, it was by far the largest increase ever recorded. We have data going back to the 1960s in terms of national murder trends. The largest previous increase was 12, 12.5% year on year. So a 30% increase was really dramatic. Gun violence has been consistent as an American as an apple pie. Unfortunately, the rise in violence 
has occurred just about everywhere in the United States without much difference regionally. But the rise in gun violence impacts the population unequally. The risk of homicide is much, much, much higher if you're Black than if you are any other race or ethnicity. In the United States, Black people are over 12 times more likely to be a victim of gun homicide than white people. Everything is pretty much set up and designed for some African-American youth to fail. It feels like it's an attack on Black men. You know what I mean? It feels like, to be honest, like, the world hates me. When I was 15, I knew I was going to die at 18, and I accepted it. Trauma is ubiquitous in this area. The victims of violence are traumatized. The perpetrators are traumatized. The law enforcement and other officials who are working with these populations are traumatized. So having a trauma-informed approach to these issues is really important. Here's why murder rates are rising in the U.S. and what we can do about it. If you were to look at the overall crime data since the start of the pandemic, it doesn't look like there's much of a problem. When we talk about crime going up or down, for the most part, in most places, crime is falling because people are not and about. You can't shoplift if stores have been closed in 2020 and 2021. But when you separate out the data on murder, it becomes clearer that something has changed in the past few years. A lot of these sort of crimes of randomness, crimes of mobility, which makes up that big capital C crime number, those are down thanks to the pandemic. There are four major categories when talking about violent crime. Homicide, rape, robbery, and aggravated assault. Violent crime as a category rose about 5% between 2019 and 2020. Homicide, which is more colloquially referred to as murder, rose nearly 30%. It's gun violence and murder which make up this tiny slice of overall major crime that is really what we're seeing this sort of sustained increase. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas, and our special guest is certified firearms instructor, Tanjanika Daniels. This morning's discussion question, do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? And I played that clip because I wanted to set the backdrop because we're not just having a 2A discussion, Second Amendment discussion. Um, I wanted to set the backdrop for why we need this discussion because we are in a unfortunate current rise, as you heard from that cut, in homicides. It's a unique time for somebody like myself who, and those who know I'm always looking at all the numbers and I'm stats. I'm on my computer right now. I got, um, you're actually on the on the line. I didn't know you. I didn't realize it. I'm sorry. Thank you. You're on the oh. line with us now. All right, y'all. If you were just listening, we were trying to get Elisa on. We just got her on. Hold on one second, Queen. We'll get to you in a second. Thanks. All right, no problem. So as I was saying, I wanted to set the backdrop, and we're currently looking at the numbers. We're currently in a unique space. Um, as you kind of heard, the pandemic has, in a sense, made overall crime go down. And so it's unique to see the homicide and violent crime, in a sense, go up, as you heard, the, the various reasons and issues with that. But but this discussion, the main thing that hit home was the idea of what's specifically happening in our community during this very high current increase. Ashley, I'm going to start with you real quick. Your thoughts when you're just kind of hearing that cut and relating it to this discussion, do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? And let me say this real quick. This how this is how it relates. During times, during spikes like this, when people get fearful of crime, you start seeing the more purchasing 
of guns for some of the reasons that I think our guest, you know, Ms. Daniel said from the standpoint of wanting to protect yourself, people get more concerned. And so that's how that relates to this morning's discussion. But your thoughts, Queen, before we go to our guest, and we'll get introduce Elisa Word on as well, our emotional intelligence coach right after that. Go ahead, Queen. Uh, so I think the key point that you pointed out is that when people get fearful. So I think, you know, when you talk about emotional intelligence or even just understanding your emotions, I think it's about understanding why you're afraid and what that's indicating to you. Um, I, I mean, it makes sense, you know, like people are, are afraid that, um, because stores aren't open because people can't go to typical places for quote unquote crime, like it leaves more people susceptible to um, that violence. And so, I mean, it, it makes sense that it's happening, right? Um, and it makes sense that it's probably going to start increasing as we go into this inflationary period um, because people aren't going to have the same resources, right? People are willing and able, and some are very happy to to take from other people. So it it makes sense. But, you know, for me, it really is um, a question about what is that fear trying to tell you? Absolutely. Um, Ted Janika, if you will, Queen, at times like this, again, as an advocate for the innocence to a community, this is often when you'll see gun control being pushed as a narrative within politics, when you start seeing the murder rate rise and people are saying, hey, guns are issues. So how, how, in a sense, how are you maneuvering as someone who trains people and help people? How are you maneuvering? Is that a fair expectation that, you know, people are in a sense going to push for more gun control when we start seeing more homicides? That's pretty normal. But how do you respond to that, if you will, Queen? Excellent. So gun control is, I think, a knee-jerk reaction, but I also think it's a natural reaction. I think it's maybe because I'm a Libra. I see both sides of everything. I get that you naturally want to control the narrative. If you're in charge and you say you're a politician and you've been voted in because you said you're going to reduce crime and you want to go about trying to actually make that happen, then you will, you know, think that the first answer is to just get rid of the guns. That's, that'll do it. That's the, that's the answer. And it's statistically been proven that that is inaccurate and it does not work. That's like saying that the war on drugs worked and that there are no drugs on the street. It's asinine to even think that with over 300 million guns in the United States alone. And so this is a situation where if the criminals have it, and you have it, it's called the great equalizer for a reason. And I always give this example, the, a Western society was a polite society because everyone carried a firearm. You didn't have as many uh, killings that you had back then that you do now because everyone respected everyone's right to bear arms and knew that if you came with something, I'm going to come with something too. And so that's all we're trying to say is the criminals are going to have it regardless. So saying that we should take all the guns away, right, when the criminals – who are breaking the law and committing these crimes, they're going to continue to have it regardless and to take it away from law-abiding citizens who go about their everyday life just trying to exist is not a good answer to this problem. 
I'll say that. I respect that. I respect that. I'll say I don't know about that polite society stuff you're talking about, but we'll go ahead and get our special guest, Alisa Word, on this conversation with us. Alisa, glad we could get you on this morning. I know we had a few phone problems, but we finally got you here, if you will, Queen. Say hello. I'm going to have you just jump right in. They've probably heard you on the show before, but this is our emotional intelligence coach. She has a deep diverse background in this area, so we're glad to have you on, but just kind of putting you right into it um, as we're having this discussion. I don't know if you heard the, the cut about the current rise in the in the murder rate, but that's what we're currently experiencing over the last few years since the pandemic. And so you as an emotional intelligence coach, when you see this rise happening, where does your mind go? Because as you just heard Tanjanika explain, there's always a push from the politicians for gun control. And I'm not saying which way to go. I'm just highlighting how do you see it from your perspective, trying to help people in these areas of emotion, emotional intelligence. And we see it lacking sometimes when we see these different various murders. Your thoughts, Queen? Alisa, you lie. May have lost her. We've been having trouble getting her on, so... Hold on one second. Let me pick a sorry, I found her. Well, she may have called in from a different number. Alisa, if you called in from a different number, I don't see you now. Uh, all right, I may have lost our guest, y'all. Just bear with me. I had you in. Add you on if you're out there, Alisa. I had you on from the nine four six number, just so you know. I don't see you on the line. All right, I may have lost our special guest. We had just had her pipe in; she's having trouble getting in. All right, well, just keep this conversation going. I see the callers out there. For the callers, if you're trying to get in this morning, you absolutely have to press one to let us know you want to speak, and we'll get you in, get you added to this morning's conversation. I really hate not having her perspective, but I'm going to throw it right back to you, Ashley, someone who is a huge advocate for emotional intelligence and mental health. And so how do you see that, if you will, Ashley, just the concept of we're experiencing this high murder rate. And as Tanjanika said, it's commonplace to, to worry about, hey, can we get rid of the guns? And you also being an advocate, how do you look at it when it comes to the mindset that we're seeing when that fear rises, you, sometimes it leads to more incidences, unfortunately. So how do you see mental health and emotional intelligence fitting into this conversation this morning, if you will, Queen? Uh, so I, I would say that, you know, as, as Tanjanique pointed out, like it's that knee-jerk reaction. Uh, and I think when you have the emotional intelligence, when you have – and, and not necessarily like your mental health is perfect because we all have stressors and triggers and traumas, but I think that when you can pinpoint where those things are coming from, it prevents you from reacting. Um, and, and like, especially with our young kids, you know, with having guns in school and all of that, right? Um, they don't know what they're feeling. They don't know how to process those emotions. They don't know what those emotions are telling them. And um, unfortunately, like, the gun is the way that they're using it to communicate that they're hurt or they feel ashamed or they feel afraid. And so I think the emotional intelligence piece is really important because if we can identify what our emotions are trying to tell us, 
then we can process that feeling. We can process it and sit with it and allow that to move throughout our body and then go about life, right? I, I don't know if there's a misconception that, um, you know, everybody's supposed to like us or we're all supposed to get along. That's not the case. We absolutely have the right to protect ourselves. We should be gun owners, especially within the black community, right? We should all have um, an everyday carry. We should have a gun for our home, right? But the fact of the matter remains is that you have to understand what is going on um, around you and why you're feeling the way that you're feeling so that you're not reacting, so that you are processing um, and not just using something else as a tool to convey how you're feeling. That is a deadly weapon. No, absolutely. All right, we finally got Alisa rocking in here. How you doing, Queen? We got you live on the air. Um, I know it's a little frustrating, but thank you for being with us. Um, I'm going to have you try to jump right in if you're able to catch some of what Ashley said, um, your thoughts in reference to we're at a high crime period, you as an emotional intelligence coach, how do you see that fitting into this morning's discussion, if you will, Queen? Absolutely, Montoya. I apologize for all the technical no, no issues this morning. Yeah, it is what it is. We're good. Yeah. So one of the things that I heard the, the, the other Queen talk about before I heard the word fear um, that came out, and, you know, when we talk about emotional intelligence, right, um, fear is is telling us that, there's a danger or an uncertainty or even a powerlessness. So we're focusing to be able to protect something that we feel that is at risk. So when we think about, you know, these these knee-jerk reactions that some of our young people have and other people have when it comes to pulling out that weapon, you know, in like 2.2 seconds or something like that, there's something there. There's a question. Am I feeling like, you know, the respect for me is at risk? Am I feeling like my reputation is at risk? Am I feeling powerless in some other way? And this all stems from, so many things that come from even from our childhood, from, from trauma and from, you know, not having a secure attachment style, but also not being able to build that resilience into people the way that we, we, we should be building resilience into people. But at the same time, when you're living in, in, in a world today where you've got, you know, there are some two-parent uh, households, there are some single-parent households, but you have the intersectionality of adding the fact that, you know, we have black communities and there are different things that are, you know, opposing forces against us. People just sometimes don't have the time or, or the bandwidth or even the knowledge or even skill set to be able to be sure to instill this into the children. And then when you have these politicians jump in, they're going to say whatever they need to say in order to get the vote. And all, all of a sudden it's, you know, gun control, gun control. And we hear the same thing over and over and over again, whether it's the midterms or it, it's the larger election. You know, it comes up, it comes up, and it's the same thing, the same thing. A gun control would mean nothing to someone who has, who has an impulse control issue or who has, because they're going to get, these weapons to be able to protect themselves. What we need to do is to be able to foster not only a healthy respect for guns and what the power is behind them, but also a healthier respect for people and some compassion towards what human life actually is and, and, and be able to foster some coping skills and some conflict resolution skills because they're, therein lies the real issue. And all of that is part of the whole emotional intelligence bubble. You know, I mean, 
people don't even know how to name their emotions, let alone understand and recognize the patterns behind them. When this happens, I feel this, and this happens, and the next thing you know, it turns into this or that. They don't know how to do, don't know how to do that. And emotional intelligence, it's been around since the early 90s, but it was in the leadership space, in the corporate space. We weren't talking about this in homes. And in many cases, they're still not talking about this in homes and in relationships. So social and emotional learning is something that they're starting to factor into some school systems, but by default, it's going to be in certain other school systems before it's going to be in ours. So there's a lot of work to be done all the way around, um, and I don't necessarily believe that some of the politicians' ideas of gun control are, are what this actually needs to happen. I think it's a multi-layered, multi-dimensional situation because, for one thing, the people with the guns even need to learn how to shoot because that not, <laughs> nine times out of ten if somebody gets shot mistakenly, it's because somebody didn't even know how to shoot the doggone gun in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, real thing, uh, we've got about a minute and a half, so if you will, keep your thoughts short so we can go to break, but I would definitely, you mentioned from the very beginning, you thought this conversation should be more guns and emotional intelligence. We now have our special guest Alisa on with us. So your thoughts in the sense, bridging it from your perspective as someone who teaches tactical arm training. Well, she, she summed it up amazingly. I thought that was a great analysis and I've been waiting on this because I think emotional intelligence is a lost art personally. I, I don't think people are in tune with themselves enough to even know what they're feeling, but what we really need to be talking about, and I think that's an umbrella term, what we really need to be talking about is de-escalation tactics, conflict resolution, and situational awareness. Um, in this particular case, this one was different than all the others because for all intents and purposes, what it's seen is that Takeoff didn't even know what was going on. He wasn't aware of his situation or that he was in a situation, and people don't even recognize when it's escalated to the point where they need to leave or they need to, you know, pivot or do whatever they need to do. So it's a situation where um, you don't know how to use your words, you don't know how to walk away, you don't know how to let someone else win when it's life or death involved. You know, it's ego involved, it's high testosterone levels. It's more than just emotional intelligence to me, especially in this particular situation. But I mm-hmm. think that's an umbrella term. What we really need to be discussing is conflict resolution, situational awareness, and de-escalation tactics. Hey, love it. We're up against the break. We'll be continuing this conversation after the break. For the callers that are out there, you do have to press 1 if you're trying to get in. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. You have to press 1 if you want to join the conversation. We'll be right back where all I ask is that you think. Hey, Smithoff, where you find that Prince sign of the Times on vinyl at? Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection. What, you been collecting them, like, over the years or something? No, actually, I just started my collection. But my man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side? They still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check their IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. Oh, no, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their online store at dbssounds.com. They'll ship directly to you anywhere in the country. Matter of fact, jump on dbssounds.com on your phone and order straight from there. Word? 
Hey, I'm about to get my music game up. Hey, what's their address in case I get a chance to swing by there? I'm, I'm going to pick up that new Kendra Lamar CD. Oh, they at 6604 Highway 85, Riverdale, Georgia. Bet. Rapper Killer Mike was talking about something recently that most other rappers don't even know how to pronounce. The Constitution. He was giving an interview with The Breakfast Club at Power 105.1 when some of the hosts seemed to indicate that gun control was a good idea, and thankfully Killer Mike decided to set them straight, telling them this. I mm-hmm. think every American can and should own a, a firearm. Why? Because it's our right. And because I've been around the world and I've seen what countries who don't have that right are like. At the moment, Killer Mike is not a household name or a mainstream rapper. Well, because... Explain, Killer Mike. I am not a part of a company Mm -hmm. that spends an extravagant amount of money with the people that are telling you what's cool. Right. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Another two points goes to Killer Mike. What else was interesting in the interview is that he happened to mention MKUltra. He talked about FEMA's recent massive ammunition purchase and warned that tyranny is coming to America. Why is the Patriot Act in effect? Because at some point in the near or far future, this country is going to become a country in which you don't have the rights you have now. And the only thing that has ever stood against, that has ever stood in opposition to that in America is the fact that the citizen the citizenry is armed. If you do not have an armed citizen Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? As we have special guest Tanjanika Daniels, as well as Elisa Word on the line with us, as we hear Killer Mike break down a concept that we hear about all the time. And, and to a degree, before we move into the, if you will, the takeoff conversation, if you will, because great points uh, before the break, Tanjanika, by the way, but just, Here's an area that people discuss, this idea that the citizenry should have and bear arms, as you hear Killer Mike saying that. One thing I'd like to point out, as we referenced the Second Amendment earlier in the show, is something that um, I've done a couple of shows on this, and one of our guests, Mark Carmen, always points out, in the in the particular wording of the Constitution, it leads off with a real, well-regulated militia. That's how it actually reads, and I'll give a, just a little history, quick history, that that started out because the founding fathers at one point did not know or ex- necessarily expect to have a standing army. They were initially opposed of the idea of having a standing army, so the idea I would relate it in today's time is well-regulated being like a National Guard, being able to, if necessary, bring arms if there was an attack on the quote-unquote country they would have well regulated meaning trained people that would be able to use in a sense their arms and so mark carmen always pointed out when he was on the show that that part goes amiss as in a sense people are pushing for the rights and he's always kind of as tanjanika and elisa has a word alluded to he's always saying hey we're we're skipping out on the training portion. We're letting people get hands on arms. He's an advocate for the Second Amendment as well. However, they're getting their hands on it without any training. And he says, similar to you have to get a driver's license and be checked every so many years on your ability to drive a car, he would like to see that also enter the conversation. Ashley, um, your thoughts to that? And we'll go. 
um, back to Tejanika. For the callers out there, y'all do have to press one. If you're just listening, no problem. But if y'all want to get in, you do have to press one. Ashley, your thoughts to Mark Carvey saying that's the part that he feels like goes amiss the most in reference to, you know, our country, as Tejanika said, 300 million guns at a minimum that are out there. Your thoughts, Queen? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like she, she made an excellent point before the clip about um, just having guns and having that right. Like, I, I don't think that we fully utilize all of our rights, and it is important that we be gun owners. It's important that we have situational awareness. It's important that we're aware of what's happening around us. And so we we have to utilize that right. You know, it, it's one of those things where for a lot of people, in my personal experience, it's very scary. They don't know what to do. They're not sure how to begin. Um, and this is why conversations like this are really important so that people can understand other things that they can be learning in addition to getting familiar with firearms, in addition to getting familiar with their carry laws, in addition to um, making sure that they have a carry license and, and all of those things. We we need to be doing that because there are so many more opportunities like what has happened with takeoff that are going to keep occurring um, because that lack of emotional intelligence and because of that lack, um, as Elise said, of people understanding the value in human life. Well, absolutely. I'm going to jump Kevin in here who's calling in from South Carolina. Again, for the other callers, you have to press one. We'll get you in. What's up, Kevin? What you got for us this morning? Thanks for calling in, King. What's going on, Pam? How y'all doing? Um, doing good. Uh, I'm an I'm a avid uh, gun rights um, advocate. And here's the thing, and here's the facts, and I don't care what no one on the planet says about it. First of all, as a being or any kind of being, I have the right to protect me and my family and my community. I have the right, not someone in the Army or military or police department or whatever. And secondly, here's the here's the raw facts, the raw, raw facts. If there's 300 million people here in America, let's say all 300 million of them had guns. The fact is this, 399% of those Americans don't harm no one with their weapons. Those are the facts. The majority of the people do not. We are allowing... Uh, people are trying to allow a handful of people when it comes to the the population to control what all the rest of millions of people do with their livelihood. Do we have to have training training for uh, knives? Because we sure didn't have a, a plethora of knife stabbings all in the subways and all you know all over the country all of a sudden. Now, is we going to have so-called gun uh, knife violence? There's no such thing as gun violence. It is people violence. The guns don't do nothing but sit there. It is the people that rear these weapons that are the problem. Now, that goes to another thing. How do you tackle that problem? What are the, why are you there all this flaming up of things? Poverty, uh, mental health, uh, uh, emotional you know, distress, or whatever's going through. See, when people are not trained properly, how to deal with each other, 
coming from strong family backgrounds, they tend to, you know, wing it for themselves and they're out here emotionally bankrupt. And these people are the people that don't know, like you said, don't have the ability to de-escalate things because they, they go, what's the saying we say? Zero to 60. Zero, zero to 60. They go zero to 60 from complete none to complete chaos, and they do not know how to back down. And a lot of times people are putting on a show for the people that are around them. If anybody knows you've been in the hood and you look at someone in an argument, they're looking at the crowd while they argue. That's another thing, you know what I'm saying? So we got to learn how to be a community. Like I said, care about people's lives. You know, why? You know, we raised up 50 cups. Now everybody got the guns. I mean, I want my guns because I know I have an enemy out there. I know I have people that will take advantage of me if I they catch me slipping or catch my family slipping or they don't want to work to get what they want. They want what I got. That's why I want the right and will always have that right to bear my arms. But as far as the social conditioning, the social problems, that needs to be worked out with the people. And, you know, we just need to be, have compassion for people. Like I said, there's no such thing as gun violence. Those are people violence. Hey, thank you for, now thank you for your three cents, um, if you will, Kevin. Tanjanika, your thoughts to what our caller had to say, as well as, um, your perspective on where he kind of said, hey, how do we deal with these people issues? So how do we get more people training? What is the solution if, in a sense, controlling guns or getting less guns in the population isn't that? How do we tackle these human issues that Kevin and everybody's alluded to? Your thoughts, Queen? Um, Yes, so... I want to go back really quickly to the clip that was played with Killer Mike. I wanted to point out a little small part in that the the gentleman that was introducing it and was talking about Killer Mike, he said, this is a word that rappers can't even pronounce. It was so condescending to me. And I, I harp on this because I want people to understand this is not something where people encourage black people to on themselves. This is not something everyone is, you know, positive about this and promoting this. What they're saying is we just need more people with guns. And when when the time comes, if you don't have one, or even if you do, if you don't protect yourself, then they'll come in and take it through the well-armed militia, which is the regular people. So it's a two-edged sword in that you have to watch out for the government and you have to watch out for other people too because they don't care about your safety. They just care about the numbers and they care about the fact that they don't want this right taken away from them. And if it's taken away from, you know, you, then it could potentially be taken away from them. And that's all that matters. So with the gentleman, I thought that he had a great point. And, you know, crime is proximity. Is We really say black on black crime, but that's ridiculous because there's white on white crime, there's Asian on Asian. So it really is proximity and you can't help that. What you can do is train and arm yourself. And it starts with the individual in my eyes. I train, I make sure everyone around me trains. And if you're in a high power position and you have an entourage as the leader of said entourage, I believe it's your responsibility to make sure everyone around you is capable of, you know, of bearing arms, number one, and utilizing those arms when they do bear them. So um, there are people that were in the crowd that had firearms that absolutely had zero training, didn't know how to use them, and this is the casualty of that. So your ops could be internal, 
It could be, you know, someone that mm-hmm. is an accident or it could be anyone. So you have to make sure that whoever is around you, do you train? You could be that person that's a liability for everyone in your group. So do you train and do you make sure your friends train and everyone around you, especially if you know they're carrying a firearm? So this is a, a, a point that I'm making because I don't think guns are the the answer to get rid of them. That's never going to be my stance on it. What is my stance is getting training so that you know how to proficiently use it. And in a situation, that never being the first resort is always, you know what, you got it. I'm leaving. I'm walking away. I'm going home. I'm doing whatever I need to do to get out of this situation. And if I cannot do that, then I will defend myself to the highest extent and only after all other, you know, options have been exhausted. No, I love it. At least we got about a minute before we go to break. Uh, your thoughts to Kevin saying, "Hey, it's, it's it's not a gun issue; it's a people issue." So, how do we even tackle that part of it while the debate goes on politically? Your thoughts, Queen? Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I agree with that. You know, it's interesting because I was never a gun person per se, right? Up until more recently and getting more uh, knowledge about certain things. But it comes down to this. We can have this conversation forever and a day, but it's a $25 billion industry in this in this country, right? And at the end of the day, there are people, the companies that are making guns, they're making ammunition. They don't want to, because if we, if we have gun control and we stop everything, guess what? We lose $25 billion. So we know that's not going to happen. So what we have to do is to focus on the real issue, which everyone is talking about, is the people who are using and have access to the guns themselves. Um, there are certain guns I personally don't feel need to be in, you know, general population. I don't believe everybody needs to have an AR-15. That's my personal opinion. But I believe other guns need to be taken away from people. No, I do not. But I believe that we got to have better checks and balances in place. And when these people are in these settings and they're doing all this stuff that they're doing, they're more on the offense with the gun versus the defense, which is what people here are talking about is defending yourself. They're not necessarily defending themselves. They are on the offense. If you get a football team that has nothing but the offense playing all the time, you're going to lose the game. So what's happening is that we're of life. I love it. We are up against the break. I will tell you, coming out of this break, for those that are first-time listeners to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, we are not a politically correct show. So I'm going to play a cut from one of Charleston White, who's very, I'll say very elegant with the English language, if you will. So be prepared for some harsh language, if you will, and we're going to really get into now the situation that we recently, unfortunately, happened with Takeoff and these celebrities. He's not going to be talking about Takeoff. He's going to talk about P&B Rock for those who are familiar with that. Unfortunately, another rapper who recently lost his life, so he's going to be talking about that in particular, and we'll move into that part of this discussion. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. 
Now, let's get right to it, man. Yesterday, video leaked of PNB Rock. He was eating out with his wife, well, his baby mom, um, excuse me, his baby mom. Uh, he had on jewelry. He was eating, he was eating at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, um, and uh, he was robbed and shot and killed. Um, you know, when you seen that, did you did you see the footage that that was leaking online? Nah, uh, uh-uh. uh. Nah, okay, is that it. by choice or? Uh, well, my 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 algorithms don't ref- don't uh. Let, let me say this, homie. I've never heard of this guy till yesterday. Fuck, I'm on nobody's death for. His death don't mean nothing to me. Nigga, everybody know if you go to California, California been killing rappers forever, homie. They killed Tupac, they killed Biggie. So, nigga, so what? PMB died. Fuck him. Motherfucker go highlight his death. What about all the deaths? What about the deaths in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia over Labor Day weekend? Astounding numbers. Yeah, we don't people. we don't know one name. Motherfucker ain't mumble one name. Then let's go up to Chicago. Those numbers just over Labor Day. So why we why in the fuck we always wait to one of these funky ass rappers get their motherfucking tops pop and we we all of a sudden know this motherfucker. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? We are the best in the world at hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. We have one rule, we well, two rules. We are passionate, we respect all opinions, and we bring it raw. So you just heard Charleston White on um, Say Cheese TV. Give him credit uh, for that interview. And he's giving his perspective. And I wanted to start that way, as harsh as that sounds, and then giving his personal perspective about, again, PMB Rock, another rapper who recently lost his life uh, prior to in relating it to the takeoff conversation, is he's highlighting what I consider a even though, again, he's saying it in a very personal way, he's a, he, he kind of goes into character, and I hear him challenging our culture on the entire perspective on how we see it when it, in a sense, comes to the rappers who seem, unfortunately, we seem to be losing one every week during this uptick in, mur- in the murder rate. So I'm just kind of setting the entire b- backdrop for the rest of this discussion and getting into particularly what happened in the takeoff situation. But before we go into takeoff, Tangentica, I'm going to start with you. What's your perspective of him challenging even us as a society of when we even pay attention as a community to these type of things? Y'all on that part, Queen. Ooh, that was good. That was a, and for me, that was like a double-edged sword because he really ain't shit anyway. So um, just even listening to him on this opinion was, was interesting. And, and I'll talk about that in a second. But what he said was, um, correct, but the way it's being introduced is incorrect because those people in those neighborhoods over in Philly and all of that, they're still in that environment, right? We're vibrational beings as a culture, us black people. But then when you extend that and share that gift that you have with the rest of the world, people are 
um, invested, I'll say that. And so when you have a rapper that's ascended those situations and actually made it out and didn't die over Labor Day weekend and didn't get murdered, and then they get and ascend to a certain level, and then all of a sudden we get to know them, we get to see them every single day on social media, they post that we're getting ready to go to their concert, and then all of a sudden they just don't exist anymore. They're now unalive. That hits different. That affects people in certain ways because they look up to these individuals, they respect these individuals, etc. So when we have one that's violently taken away from us, when they made it out of situations where they could have been violently taken before we even met them, that is where it affects us the most. And that's why you hear about it on social media. That's why it's being shown. That's why people are so intrigued about it. And so I think that um, we don't have the same, but this is the same person that raped a woman and bragged about it online. So the respect that we have for women. If you will, Queen, I'm jumping in because I don't like to I'm not going personal. I want to stay on the conversation, if you will. You know what I mean? That's just not our oh, style, so if you will. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely so use the cut. And again, it's obviously a very radical cut. Use it kind of for a reason. But, yeah, not to get into the actual okay. person. If, if, if you don't mind, like I said, that's just something that we do try to. No worries. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. No worries. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. We're good. No, we're good on that part. Um, Alisa, if you will, your thoughts to, again, I take it as a challenge to, again, obviously a harsh way to do it. Again, he's in character, just pointing that out. Uh, but with that said, you as an emotional intelligence coach, how did you receive that um, as Tanjanika kind of breaks down the why, which I think she put it in a beautiful way, but just your thoughts even challenging us as a culture of how we see these things and when do we actually care versus when do we not care, if you will. Your thoughts on that part, Queen? Yeah, absolutely on that, Montoya. So this is the thing, right? So cancer has been around forever, right? And it's a terrible disease, and it really, really just ravages people's bodies, ravages people's lives. But guess what? When we started seeing celebrities and more people that were in the public eye out there starting to seriously be impacted by cancers and different diseases that were, you know, uh, terminal diseases or diseases that would ravage bodies, guess what started happening? People started putting more money, more focus into getting research and getting better treatments and things like that. This is just the natural nature of people. Mm -hmm. This is the way that, I mean, one life because a person is a celebrity, we don't care about that versus the people that are in the streets that are on the corner. The celebrity is going to be the one who is going to be helping to lobby, right, to get some of the folks that are in the position to be able to change things, to get it so that we can actually have better care for people who are getting guns and making sure that we're getting the psych checks and all that sort of stuff in place. That's where it's going to happen. That's where it's going to change. It does not negate the importance of what's happening in our communities. What it does, unfortunately, is is that that it puts it front and center to a country that would otherwise ignore this particular situation. Uh, Martin Luther King, all of those people that marched, there were slaves and people dealing with Jim Crow long before them folks showed up. But it was once they started to put that public eye and put that pressure, that things started to change because we're going to mess with your money. And so now you're going to change this. And this is the point here. We got to mess with somebody's money in order for this to change, right? Because we can talk emotional intelligence, conflict resolution. We can talk secure attachment, anxious attachment, all those things. But it comes down to how are we making them feel emotionally about their money? If their money is at risk, we can start to change some things. And how do we do that? We get some people who got some money to be able to deal with some people who need that money, and we start to make some changes. That's my um, thing. 
No, I love the three cents. Thank you, Queen. We got caller area code four zero four last three two seven four. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Thank you for being on with us. Uh, hello, this is uh, uh, Dr. Bobby Northern. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be here with you today. Uh, this is a very uh, hey. Good morning. You good? Uh, this is a you very. I'm good. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You're live. Uh, you're live. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Yeah, uh, this is this is a very uh, uh, lively discussion, and I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm going to do two things. Uh, one, I'm going to you know talk about my my three cents, uh, and then I'm also going to talk to you, um, talk to uh, the listeners, just about an opportunity to uh, to kind of piggyback or connect to to that three cents. Um, you know, the first thing. My background is in uh, psychology and leadership, uh, and so I've, I've worked in a lot of different uh, organizations and companies, and I've learned, learned quite a bit. And one of the things that I, I do like is that we are talking about emotional intelligence and the people side of, of gun control uh, and gun management. And I, I do, you know, this, this part of what I'm, I'm feeling is that uh, there is this connection and we have not necessarily done our due diligence about teaching people how to be people and how to be around other people. Because, you know, the five areas of emotional intelligence are self-awareness, self-regulation, social skills, empathy, and motivation. So that's a lot to learn about yourself and about how you relate to other people. You know, I know my, my self-regulation started um, back when I was little in church, when, uh, you know, I was getting fidgety and my mom pinched me on the leg and said, you, you better, you better be still, you know? Um, and, and I learned to regulate my emotions in various situations and things like that. Not everyone gets that training. Um, not everyone gets that training from their education in school, you know, but, but it's your regulation of yourself. It's how do you regulate yourself and understand the feelings and emotions of other people? You know, how do, how do we become empathic? When we hear about, you know, school shootings and death and those types of things, what does that mean to us? Is that something that is that we take lightly and we just say, okay, well, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time? Or is it something that really goes to our core and says, oh, my God, we got to protect life. Life is valuable. Life is important. And it is one of those things that is precious. And I, I think that teaching that teaching, that instruction, wherever it comes, if it comes through the education system, if it comes through home parenting, if it comes to that teaching has to get out. So not just in the black community, but in all communities, uh, especially in this country where you, you have the right to bear arms. That means it's even more important to teach our people uh, how to be emotionally grounded and, and value life and care for people that are um, that they may not even know how do we feel included as individuals and so one of the things that uh that i'm doing and uh, i'm partnering with uh, agnes scott college and i want to let everyone know that uh, there is an inclusive leadership certificate workshop that's happening uh on the 9th of november so this upcoming wednesday uh from nine to nine to one uh, and what it does is it's really going to focus on business professionals. So there's a lot of discussion about how to uh, include people in the workplace. That's the main uh, focus of it. But once again, it's part of this emotional intelligence training. How do I um, 
include people in my team discussion? How do I include people in my interpersonal discussions and make them feel part of either a group or part of me or connected to me in some way? And there's a lot of studies that show that you could have a diverse group, but if they do not feel included, you will not get the profit and the production and the capacity and quality that you get out of a diverse group, which, of course, according to research, is 35% more profitable, 35% more uh, productive. Um, you won't get that unless a leader or the other professionals in the group understand how to create an environment of inclusion where people feel comfortable to do that. And so this program talks about uh, JEDI-B, justice, equity, diversity, uh, inclusion, and also belonging. That's the B. And then it also uh, ties into – We're up against the break, brother. We're up against the break. I love you bringing a resource, in a sense, if you will, to the table uh, for people in a sense, because I can see how it does relate. You have a, a a leader who's able to help the group improve because I definitely, we definitely know about unfortunate work issues where even sometimes people have resorted to, if you will, violence, hopefully not gun violence, but they've resorted to violence because of people not knowing how to work in a more diversity, um, diverse environment. That's so I definitely cool. see that as an added resource. Thank you for those thoughts, uh, Dr. Northern, if you will. Appreciate you for jumping on with us. We are up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Some therapy. Today's topic is emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is being able to identify and manage not only our emotions, but the emotions of others and process it in such a way that it yields a positive outcome. Emotional intelligence is crucial. Emotional intelligence is our capacity to be compassionate, to be empathetic, and to emotionally regulate. As men, it helps us to have a happy and more successful, fulfilled life. People with a high sense of emotional intelligence know what they're feeling, know how others may feel, and know how these feelings may affect others. It is an essential interpersonal skill for us to connect with others in a way that is authentic, and for us to also thrive and succeed through the many struggles of life. Emotional intelligence is important because we are emotional beings. It's important that we know to not make decisions based off our emotions. Emotional intelligence allows us to become more aware of our emotions and the emotions of others, and it allows us to develop and cultivate more meaningful and lasting relationships. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. 
I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? Our special guests are certified firearm instructor, Tangenica Daniels, as well as emotional intelligence consultant, Alisa Word. Ashley, I'm going to come to you, if you will, Queen. This whole idea, again, of emotion, introducing emotional intelligence into the gun control conversation as you hear another cut breaking down, you know, where it is, how it's needed, and just kind of moving it through, talking in a sense, in, starting to move into the takeoff situation. Um, I, um, Tanjanika mentioned the idea of even being aware of when to get out of a situation, like all of that, as, as she said, this emotional intelligence is a umbrella for it all. And so, again, just want to hear you connect the dots from your perspective as someone who's an advocate as well. Do you feel like you're, in a sense, doing both, right? Because what happens is when we get fearful and people want to get guns and the murder rate's rising, people are just getting the gun, not getting the training. So what does that look like for you as someone who does train, and how do you address this part of it, the people side, as you're getting more efficient with your weapon? How does that work for you in your life, if you will? Uh, so, you know, I, I definitely go to therapy. There are different tools that I use to help me identify my emotions and sit with them so that I can name them, so that I can tell other people how I'm feeling. Um, and so I think on the people side, it's about having a support system. Uh, are you in a position to name your emotions? Do you know what they're telling you? Do you know how the people around you are feeling, um, really being able to pick up on some of those cues? Now, I absolutely get it wrong, you know, but that I think, you know, when you have that awareness that you're, you need to know more about this, it puts you in a position to be open and pay attention to things in a way that you didn't before. But then when we're talking about, on the gun side, right, like, I, I I go to the range. I ask my girls if they want to go to the range. I go with my gun club. I read up on things. And one of the things to point out is that even with all of those emotions that we're feeling, like, your gun is supposed to be the last step that you're taking, right? So part of your everyday carry is having a flashlight. You should have pepper spray, right? All of these things that why are you escalating to a gun? Why is that the step that you're taking? And so really being able to be trained when you when you are trained on that, and this comes down to de-escalation, as ladies were mentioning earlier, when you're trained on these things, on when you should be using a gun, it really forces you to prioritize and making sure that you understand what's going on and which method of force you should be using, because a gun is not always the answer, right? Very rarely is it the answer. Now, I love it. And so, Elisa, if you will, you just heard Ashley break down her due diligence, which obviously, um, hopefully more people will do. However, we've talked about the reality. People are get afraid. They're picking up guns, if you will, and let me even highlight this just as, just for, you know, as me, someone who loves getting into the stats. So here's something else that's a factor, despite what you're hearing amongst the politician, whether you're a gun advocate, whether you're a you're on, I always like to highlight 
the political narratives are usually not based on what's actually going on, and I'll give you this is a perfect example. So unfortunately, in the last couple couple years, just to highlight this, so this significant increase is based on the pandemic and what happened with the in a sense the shutdown. Whether it was, again, whether it, forget what side are you on on that issue, but with that happening, we had the most guns purchased in the last two years ever in history. The record had been 16,000 purchased in a year. In the last two years, they broke broke 19,000. And so, uh, and, it's, and I'm not just highlighting the fact that it's just more guns in society, but here's another aspect. And matter of fact, I'm, yeah, I'll go to you, Tajanika, on this part of it, because it's just something that we need to understand and that all fits into this conversation. So another aspect not only has the last two years have we seen the United States purchase the most guns that they've ever had, but here's another thing that you'll never hear politicians talk about. The bigger issue with the murder rate rising while crime in the same time is going down, which is typically they, they, they mirror each other. But the bigger thing is now that there are more guns in society, the properly bought gun used in crime, they have a specific name for it. I forgot the name for it. But basically, people like, you know, about law-abiding citizens like myself, I've been guilty of this. I've had guns, if you will, taken out of my home because I did not have a safe, if you will. Being a country boy, we didn't have safe. So when I moved to the city, I kept my guns in my apartment the way that I normally would. Now, I know that's absolutely foolish. But I'm pointing out that example because Part of the murder rate rise is more guns are being taken from law-abiding citizens as they purchase more. And with the and the stat that the FBI particularly is keeping up with is the speed of which properly bought guns are being stolen or somehow used in a crime. And they're saying the last two years is the fastest period they've seen in since they've been keep, keeping that data. So a lot of lot, a mouthful said there, if you will, Tajadika, but I'm, again, some, somebody in your position, how do you take that information? Because, again, you're not going to hear the politicians break. They're just going to play to people's emotion based on the political, the aisle of the side of the political aisle that they're on. Your thoughts, Queen? Well, someone who was part of the military, I understand the business of it, and fear is a tactic in business that politicians use to get reelected and get um, sponsorship and donors, et cetera. So this is just part of the business model, and they're continuing to go with that narrative, even though the data shows otherwise, and they know that their constituents aren't going to specifically look it up themselves. They're just going to go by what they hear. They're going to go by off those uh, sound bites and maybe look at those commercials, and even if they've been affected by violence themselves, that perpetuates the data that's being spewed, the inaccurate data that is being given out. And so this is a a fear tactic. Another statistic that I think is important to show is that black women are the fastest growing group of gun owners in America. And I think that's super important because they feel the least protected. They have, um, you know, the, the... Human trafficking rate for them is extremely high. Sex trafficking, human trafficking, organ trafficking, all of these things are high for black women. And so they're realizing that they're their first line of defense. Some of them are single mothers. They realize that they have to protect their children. So there are different reasons that people 
purchase firearms and why the number is going up. But, again, the politicians don't want to showcase that because that will go directly against their narrative that they need to be reelected to end crime and violence and continue to get that money from donors and sponsors. Yeah, what I hate, just to highlight this very briefly, and at least I want you to jump in and just kind of jump in wherever you fit in. Um, but, yeah, what I hate the most, with, just to point this out when it comes to the politics of it all, and so you'll see either side trying to down the other side about who's the most protective society, again, regardless of what side of you on, side of it you're on, but there's this idea of, you know, we're going to reduce crime this way or we're going to reduce it this way or this is the best way. And the reality is none of those political narratives have anything to do with the reality. And it's just that because currently with the increase in the murder rate in the last two years, as you heard earlier in the show, if you were listening, that increase is all over the country, regardless of demographic. But there are narratives, particularly about our community, where it's pushed as if it's only in our community when the numbers, again, show otherwise. Just to be clear for anybody listening right now, I'm not talking about that it's the same for us as it is for everyone else. The clip also pointed out those numbers, but I am pointing out that if the increase is across the country, countrywide, there's no politicians that's having an effect despite what they may be telling you because the reality is as we just mentioned, more people have purchased more guns, more guns are getting used in crimes due to the number of guns. That's just the numbers, and no politician can give you a policy that has proven to increase or decrease crime. That's a reality. Alisa? Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's no secret that fear-mongering makes money, right? So we know that, and, and that's what uh, she was just, you know, was alluding to that. And the most uh, manipulative ability to manipulate emotional intelligence is from someone who has something to gain over you. And when you have people in positions of what they believe is power and an authority, because I'm not going to say they are in power and authority, they believe they're in power and authority because they can be taken down at any moment. But when they're in those positions, they want to be able to utilize their ability to be emotionally intelligent to now manipulate you because they are aware of their emotions, but they also are aware of your emotional triggers, right? So we've got to be able to understand the reaction cycle, which starts with the setup. And the setup is the fact that they already know that's the setup. And then what happens at that point, there's a trigger that actually happens. And then that trigger is now misinterpreted by people on the other end of that. And if we had early intervention where people understood and being responsible gun owners, that early intervention would stop that reaction cycle from happening, happening. but it doesn't. Then there's a reaction and then it escalates. And then at that point, that's when we start to have the issue with what's happening where people are reckless uh, with these guns. But we got to understand that this is not just about people necessarily making money. This is a whole complex situation that they have, that people have going on in this. And this is, unfortunately, a game, and it's fair game. In the, in the pandemic itself, 
was a real issue because people had, they had more access to people because we had downtime. We had time to pay attention to the fear mongering. People had to deal with the fact that they don't have coping skills. They had to deal with the fact that they've got anxiety. They've got depression issues. They have all those things. And in this pandemic where people felt like they had no control over what was happening in the society, many of the issues that they had, even those of psychosis, were escalated in that period of time. And they were unchecked. And now these people are back out in society, and these are the mm. same folks who are not being checked properly to mm. be real good. Oh, I love it. We're up against the break. We'll be right back. Caller, last three, two, eight, three. We'll get to you coming out of the break. If you want to get on this morning's discussion, give us a call at 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646 787 We'll be right back where all I ask is that you think? Hey, Smithoff, where you find that Prince Sign of the Times on vinyl at? Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection. What, you been collecting them like over the years or something? No, actually, I just started my collection. But my man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side, they still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check their IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. Man. Oh, nah, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their online store at dbssounds.com. They'll ship directly to you anywhere in the country. Matter of fact, jump on dbssounds.com on your phone and order straight from there. Word? Hey, I'm about to get my music game up. Hey, what's their address? In case I get a chance to swing by there, I'm, I'm going to pick up that new Kendra Lamar CD. Oh, they at 6604 Highway 85, Riverdale, Georgia. Bet. You had a father in your household growing up, right? No. You didn't? No. You just had your mother? And my grandmother. And your grandmother. Mm-hmm. How often is your father around? Once in a while. Once in a while meaning once a year? You know, it would depend on the year. <laughs> so sometimes a year would pass where you wouldn't see your father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no more than, I guess, two years. <laughs> That's a long time, I know. Very long time. But, um, yeah. So, this is a conversation that, that I've been having with people where if you're raised just around women and women are more emotional than men, do you in turn grow up to be a man who's overly emotional? Probably. You're going to have definitely elements of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of whoever you looked up to. Yeah. Do you feel that you're overly emotional because you didn't have your father around? I think I used to be very emotional, mm. especially to, when I was younger. You had to grow out of it. Yeah. I know my mom's had a short temper, and then I used to have a short temper. Me and all my brothers, you know what I mean? But see, that's a weird thing, too, because we was all boys, so that was helpful, though. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. 
I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? Our special guest, certified firearm instructor, Tanjanika Daniels, as well as emotional intelligence consultant, Alisa Word, as we hear Lord Jamar Cut on a Vlad TV interview. And I wanted to purposely bring this part, this, this aspect to this conversation when we unfortunately are even able to, in this day and age, even witness some of these violence via videos of shootings and things of that nature, that an uh, uh, aspect that is a real deal issue in the black community, in my personal opinion, definitely want to get you ladies' thoughts on it before we go to the caller, is that this aspect of um, us having a conversation just a, um, just at the live experience, Black Fathers Are Needed, just a couple of weeks ago here in Atlanta at Urban Grind, having a conversation on, um, just a week ago on this show, are Black Fathers Disregarded in Society? And so I think that element in our community in particular leads to some of what you heard in that cut. And I personally think it is a reality to even seeing the, the younger generation and my generation growing up with less emotional control of how to handle situations. And so they do, in my opinion, escalate more quickly if you haven't had that guidance. And I would offer that that is a major issue in our community. Uh, Tejadika, your thoughts uh, to, to that perspective. Again, I wanted to intentionally bring that to the table. Your thoughts, Queen. I'm glad you did bring it to the table because I was going to mention it earlier. So this was a great viewpoint because before I was in the firearms industry, I was in the cannabis industry for over 10 years. And the fight is actually the same when it comes to um, your rights and and using this plant-based medicine. But when I say that over a million black men are missing from our community, I started to learn the statistics and the stats on, you know, the war on drugs and how it affected our community specifically. And if you have over a million black men missing, and then you say, well, where are the fathers? This is a degradation of those effects. And so I didn't start to really get give grace and understanding until I read this book called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome by Dr. Joy DeGroote. When I read that, I understand that this is systematic, this is by design, and everything is happening as it should. So it's up to us and our responsibility, I believe, to work on the next generation because we're growing up with children who are on the Oculus, who are growing up on tablets, and they are even more emotionally disconnected from their feelings and those around them because they're just not around humans anymore. We're getting to a point, and plus we had COVID where everyone was in their homes, and you saw the suicide rate go up. You saw um, a lot of different negative statistics go up because people just don't know how to tap into themselves and their emotions. So this is true. This is a factor. This is a real indicator of why our communities have been affected so much and been so devastated because we don't have the fathers in the home and then we don't have the grandfathers and we don't have the uncles. Like all of that is part of the ecosystem of raising a child. When you say it takes a village, this is very true because everyone comes from their viewpoint and is able to instill in that child how to, uh, you know, know right from wrong, what they learned, what they did wrong, and how to prevent that from happening. They have conversations around the dinner table. If you have a 
person in your family that's absent or missing, how can those things happen? And so I, I agree that this is 100% an issue in our community, but what do we do about it? It's happened, so now moving forward, some people in our community are just unreachable. They won't ever tap into their emotional intelligence because that's all they know. That's all they feel is anger and, you know, negative emotions. But if you start with the children, I think that would be better. Healthy marriage before children is my favorite hashtag, just throwing it out there. Alisa, your thoughts to me introducing um, a, a, what I consider a real-life issue as a you know former after-school instructor, I always notice in a sense, in general, obviously there are exceptions, the difference of I can usually pick out when I'll say boys in particular has had that type of guidance versus when they have not, and that is always part of the work at the after-school program is establishing how to handle situations, uh, you know, whether it be physical or just even an argument between the kids of how to handle that in a manner that is more appropriate than how they naturally might react. And obviously, as children, we are naturally more emotional, but in raising children, that is the, you know, since you want to raise them out of that space, and a lot of our children, boys and girls, haven't been seeing it from the masculine perspective. Your thoughts, Queen? Okay, so I want to say on this vocabulary thing, right, so we are all equally emotional, right? Some people will disagree with me, but let me tell you why I say that. We are equally emotional regardless of gender. We are, unfortunately, not equally emotionally capable. So when it comes to the way that society in general, even going way back, even to our ancestry, women have been historically allowed to be more expressive with emotion because we are expressive in a communal way as a group to process emotion. Men from survival times have had to, you know, go out and, and, and do whatever they had to do to survive and protect and all those sorts of things. So not being allowed from a societal perspective to be able to be expressive with those emotions does not negate the fact that we all have the same emotions. Women tend to externalize those emotions where men, unfortunately, are taught to internalize those emotions, hence looking at the suicide rate amongst black men because people are internalizing those emotions. So what we have to do instead is to be able to raise emotionally capable people of both genders, women who are understanding there is a time and a place to be able to be expressive and how to navigate and regulate your emotions, and the same when it comes to our boys and our men being able to help them to understand the emotions themselves and how to be capable of navigating those emotions in a healthier manner. And these emotions are chemical reactions that happen within the body, and they cycle your body and touch every cell in your body within six seconds. So it is important for us to be able to have this impulse control to improve our problem solving, but in order to do that is to understand we are all emotional, but we've got to be emotionally capable. Now, I love the thoughts, um, you know, still just in a sense, in a community which you're not, unfortunately, a lot of people are not seeing it from both ends. Um, I think that's still a concern on my part. Let me get the caller who's been waiting for a while, a couple of callers out there. We're going to go to both the callers before we continue this conversation. Area code 502, last three, two, eight, three. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Montoya, what's going on? This is Brandt. I'm calling from uh, St. Louis. 
What's up, people? Uh, Thanks for calling me in. No doubt. Um, loving this discussion on emotional intelligence, and, you know, several years ago I started looking into it for myself just so I could be a better leader, and I thought I'm using this, I'm equipping myself with a tool to uh, be able to uh, impact positively the uh, organizations I'm working with, people I'm working with. And um, I, I like the word um, one of your guests used earlier was triggers. Um, some people are equip themselves with emotional intelligence and they understand how to use the triggers of others. Um, you know, I'm trying to use it as a leader in an in, in, uh, incident that just happened last week at the school that I, I'm in. Um, and it encapsulated, you know, emotional uh, triggers as well as gun activity towards the end of it. A, uh, a, a young boy was catfished by another boy uh, with a picture of a young lady that he thought he was dating online. Uh, boy number one was dating online, and uh, uh, boy number two convinced him to put his private parts, send a picture of his private parts, and uh, and then they that was sent all over the web to all his oh, friends. Wow. And then he said, well, well, uh, um, well, the boy is still thinking he's talking to a young lady. Mm-hmm. After she breaks up, after she breaks up with him, he says, well, I'm going to get my gun. And the girl says, are you going to kill me? Uh, The uh, boy number two, as the girl says, are you going to kill me? And he says, no, I'm going to kill myself. Um, Boy number two, two, uh, posing as a female, understood the triggers and the the lack of emotional intelligence. uh, 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 Was able to understand he could trigger this boy to do some things. And uh, that boy was not equipped. Uh, to be able to handle his own emotions, it, and it was thwarted. Everything was, uh, you know, some some people reported going back to the community piece. Other kids recognized what was going on and and reported it to the school. But it does speak to some of the, some of the challenges. Who's out there teaching us at a very young age to deal with this? We deal with in the school. We need more um, uh, social workers, but families don't want to pay more taxes for social workers because they don't understand the importance of discussions like this and teaching because we try, we are trying to implement those kinds of things early because we understand how it will uh, impact decision-making, mm-hmm. uh, problem-solving, and things like that in the future. So um, it, we want to be proactive and have those those uh, uh, measures in place, you know, the policies that we talk about, uh, whether it's at the – national level or, or state level, community level, um, we talk about how do we how do we do policing in our community, uh, shifting resources from our police officers to more social workers in our community mm-hmm. so we can de-escalate and things like that. So um, it, it, is, it goes all the way down to our kids. You're talking about fathers in the home and all of that. You know, everybody doesn't have that luxury. We deal with a lot of foster kids in the schools homeless kids in the school, um, you know, we have to be able to recognize we have the right policy and be willing to pay for um, those things that preempt challenges that you're talking about. And uh, emotional intelligence uh, is just a piece of it, but it's a very large part of each of us being responsible for our own actions and uh, and caring for those around us as well. So I appreciate this discussion. 
No, thank you very much, brother. Um, are you, do you have any more time? Because again, knowing I know you, you know you're on school boards, and we're gonna drive home the idea of needing it at school. So if you got a little more time, I would like to keep you on. I got brother Fiyaki that I'm gonna get on after the break. Uh, both of y'all are out of the St. Louis area. Do you have more time? If not, no stress. I just want to just, just in case we need to yeah. get another thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. I'm on. I'm uh, on the move, but we can talk for okay. sure. Okay, I'm going to keep you on the line just in case I want to bring you back on. All right, we're up against the break. Brother Pianchi, we'll get you coming out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think, do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478 478- 781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Emotional intelligence matters because it allows us to go through life without wearing masks. But not only just not wearing masks, but thriving in our relationships and thriving internally in a way that's truthful and honest to who we are. Why it matters is because as black men, we're always told to be careful how we carry ourselves, be careful how we present ourselves, and be careful when we walk into the room. The first two things that people usually judge you on is how you look. The second thing is how you appear. It's important for us to have this foundation so we're able to function better and well in society. With men, we typically aren't the best communicators, which is why it's important for us to develop an emotional lexicon. An emotional lexicon teaches us how to develop emotional language around our experiences, which helps us to develop better relationships and helps us to get the healing that we need. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? Our special guest, Tanjanika Daniels, as well as Elisa Word. I have long-time caller brother Pianchi out of St. Louis. want to get his thoughts this morning. All right, brother Pianchi, you know I got the smartest audience in all of radio, so no pressure. What you got for us, King? <laughs> well, first, first of all, Grant is not in St. Louis. He always used St. Louis for a geographical location. He over in Illinois. So let's, you let's know, get, you come to St. Louis, you got to have shirt tied, your shoes got to be your shine. <laughs> but on the question of the topic you have here, it's emotional intelligence all the way. And you know something, I'm going to, you know, the society we live in t- today, your Emotions are so challenged with all the different aspects and the things that people do and can get involved in. Matter of fact, I think that, like, I as a pro-gun owner, I have to have insurance, make sure my daughter has insurance. You need to have, there needs to be insurance policy, liability insurance for personal emotions. Because as people, emotions run astray and it turns into action, it's still doing damage 
is either doing physical damage to property or doing physical damage to people. So maybe there needs to be insurance policy that's issued on a person's emotions. Maybe it should be a sentence that a court hands down and say, well, you need to come up with some emotional insurance. As we see, we have to come up with financial liability when we drive automobiles on the public roads and highways. How does that sound? No, it's an interesting thought. I want to hear what my, um, my special guest, Tanjanika, thinks of that. Uh, Brother Pierre, again, the smartest audience on the radio, he's throwing out an idea to say, hey, what does this sound like? How can could this be a possibility? I don't know. Tanjanika, what do you think of, of, of that as an option? Uh, because here's the thing that stood out that Brother Pierre said to me is we always keep getting talked about the reminders of social media and the triggers that that now is a a super added layer to all of us, not just the children, but us as adults. We didn't have these um, media or I should say technology triggers 30 years ago, right? So so it seems to be escalating. So what do you think of uh, Brother uh, Pianchi's idea, uh, Tejanika, if you will, Queen? Um, I respectfully disagree. I just think okay. that having another, um, you know, another protocol or policy in place of forcing law-abiding citizens to do something else because others can't control their emotions, it just won't work. Um, it's wishful thinking, and I think it's trying to be, it's just like gun control. It's trying to be proactive, but um, people are supposed to have car insurance, and they don't. People are supposed to have health insurance, and they don't. Like, who regulates your emotions, who tells you that you're not using your emotions correctly, who regulates that? And so that's a whole different other can of worms. I think that people just truly don't know how to do that. And that, and they, they, this is a training issue at, at the heart of it, especially in this particular instance. People are not getting the training that they need when it comes to dealing with de-escalation tactics and conflict resolution. You should not be in a situation, especially in this particular situation, where you have a multimillionaire in a space with people who don't have the same vibration he has, don't have the same ethics, don't have the same morals, don't have the same uh, tax bracket, et cetera, and you're putting yourself in a situation hoping that it goes well. Now, this isn't all of the situations, but, you know, if I'm a law-abiding citizen and a criminal comes up to me and my life is in danger, reasonable doubt is what we have in place right now. Twelve people, strangers, have to agree that they would have done the exact same thing in your situation. That is the form of insurance that we have currently in place. So adding another layer of something like that, I just personally don't think will work. No, fair enough. Ashley, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to revisit a little bit of what I mentioned in the last segment just to kind of start you in this area. And so um, as you know, I've always advised don't watch the videos of us being harmed. So I haven't seen the takeoff incident, right? I don't think I have to see it to say what I'm about to say. Is As as I've mentioned, the idea of, um, as Tejanika says, the training. So since we miss, in my opinion, as a, specifically as a black community, as a culture of the the aspect of masculinity and men being there to teach some way of how to deal with another man that doesn't lead to, as you said, using the last resort. Uh, we, we think of this era now that the gun is used way too soon versus that checklist that you gave before it becomes, as you said, a last resort. So their emotions brings it to the forefront. So when 
I've seen these videos in the past. Again, I choose intentionally not to see them now. But when I've seen these situations in the past, you know, like the takeoff situation, just hearing about it, it definitely sounds like um, a bunch of young men, you know, young adults, if you will, that have never received this is a better way to contend with, you know, albeit a, a, a dice game, which already in a sense is iffy in itself. But I can admit I've been part of plenty of dice games that never have led to, you know, to 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 a shooting. And, and that's not that I'm uh, immune to having had that happen, if you will. But even escalated situations didn't get that far. And it's sad to me to see the younger generation generating without that father figure who helps teach that level of regulation, in my opinion. So how do you feel about me focusing on that area as a part of this conversation from your, you know, just from your personal perspective? Um, so I, I can definitely see and appreciate that side uh, in terms of at least having some additional guidance um, but I think the other side of me that plays devil advocate in this conversation is the side of me that looks at how um, older generations of black men treated emotion within our young black men. So, yes, I, I think to a degree it would absolutely be beneficial because um, there are probably tons if not more than most, um, that really would have tried to provide that guidance or provide ideas on a better way to be. Um, but I, I can't remember who said it earlier. Um, this is not strictly a, a black or white thing in terms of a lack of emotional intelligence. And so if it wasn't available back then, how would the path be different now. And like that might be going too deep, but I, I also look at this side that um, not all black men back in the day encouraged or promoted or allowed emotion. So some of what we're experiencing still would have happened because emotions have been repressed in black men, period. Not fair enough thoughts. Um, any thoughts to that? Um, what I'm saying, Elisa, just again, me just harping on as a former after-school instructor, what I witness and see out here, I'm always concerned about bringing how I see conflict resolution, how to bring it in a smarter way to uh, a, a generation of children who are more emotional for all of the reasons to include quite often not having a father figure. Again, I'm just tuning in on to that purposely, so I want to hear your thoughts on that as well. Well, I mean, you can look at all the statistics you want, but the re but the reality of it is, in communities in general, emotional intelligence is unfortunately at an all time low, um, and you you've got generations of people who don't have that higher level of being in tune with their own emotional intelligence now raising kids, and that's across the board, you know, any race, any you know, any ethnicity. However, with the issues that are already existing within our own community. Um, it's just yet another layer of that. And I, and I do think that, you know, when you think about emotional intelligence, people think of it as just a thing. Emotional intelligence is a set of skills. And the, the coping skills and the conflict resolution skills and the ability to self-regulate and even identify when you are dysregulated 
is is within the scope of that. So when it comes to our youth, um, certainly being able to identify that in programs that you work in, for instance, with, you know, after-school kids. I've actually taught, you know, parents of the, of kids in Title I schools about emotional intelligence and parenting because when you talk about it, uh, even with the gentleman that came on earlier, you know, respectfully talking about all the things he's doing at Agnes Scott, when you wait to the college level or to the leadership level in the workplace, it's too late for a lot of these people. A lot of these kids are not living past 25 years old. So that's great for the leader. That's great for the corporate team. It's great for all that. But we got to get in there young. To your point, Montoya, we got to start this now. Critical thinking is not even taught in most cases until college. It's late. We have to do something now because these folks that do have guns in their possession, knives in their possession, things that could truly take the life of other people, you know, when these things happen, it's typically happening when, you know, at this ad hoc random kind of pace in our younger people. So we've got to be able to get in there earlier to teach these skills so we cannot wait until we get a team in the workplace. Uh, so I'm going to give this a quick example, of, again, as I continue to personally harp on um, what, in a sense, the missing of masculine within the African-American community in particular. I'm going to give a, a real-life example. So I remember one time I got into an altercation with another young man. I'm from the country, so we would go every and play horseshoes and things of that nature, and we got into an altercation, and it was near the end of the free lunch period or whatever, and no, so we were upset, and everybody's escalating us to kind of get into it, and they were like, well, get off the ground so that we're not suspended for being able to come back to free lunch. And so we walked about, I would say, a couple hundred yards, maybe not a little longer than that, maybe a half a mile to this area where we couldn't get caught, if you will. And so got into an altercation. Um, I was whooping the guy at first, and then somebody broke us, broke us up, and we got back. And he whooped me at the end, so I took an L. And so I go home to my grandfather and got to tell him I just got beat up or whatever. And so my grandfather looks at me and says, you know, I tell him the story. He goes, you were at a location and you, and you moved to another location? And so my grandfather said to me, and it hit home very heavily, he goes, I don't, he says, son, I don't want to ever hear of you ever leaving the location and getting into an altercation at another location. If it's that serious, handle it on the spot. Now, had I told this to my grandmother, I know my grandmother would have simply said, you don't need to be fighting. Don't be fighting. Why are you getting into the fight? That would have been her response. But that was a lifelong lesson I got from my grandfather who understood there may be times as a boy, as a man, that you need to handle your business or stand your stand your ground. If it's serious, you handle it on the spot. Not the choice to handle it on the spot. He's making me understand if it ain't serious enough to handle on the spot, you're letting other people influence you, and that's what happened. That's He didn't say all these things. This is the lesson I took for life. And so due to him giving me that game, I definitely got my my weight up and game up on an era that we came up in the hip-hop era where these things were starting to escalate and more people were carrying guns. And so I quickly learned how to 
exit situations as soon as they arise because I had never forgot that lesson from my grandfather that my grandmother, in this situation, I know she would have known to give me that game. Something to contemplate. We're up against the break. I definitely want to hear y'all thoughts coming out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the Connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance, along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. 90% of American inmates are men, 75% of which grew up without a father. 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes, which means you are five times more likely to kill yourself if you are growing up without a dad. 90% of all homeless runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who grow up with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. We are 20 times more likely to have a behavioral disorder if we grew up without a father figure. 80% of all rapists come from fatherless homes. We are 14 times more likely to raise somebody if we grew up without a dad. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. We are nine times more likely to drop out of school if we don't have a father figure at home. Malachi chapter 4 verse 6, his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. It will not go well with us if we do not have good male role models and healthy father figures. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. This morning's discussion question, do we need more guns or emotional intelligence? I'm going to run to caller Brent real quick just to get his quick thoughts on what I'm saying, and then we'll get to our special guest, Tanjadika Daniels, as well as 
emotional intelligence coach, Alicia Word. Um, quick thought, be funk on my story. Again, we got our history together, so I don't think I've ever told you that story, but I'm relating it to today's discussion because it is a missing element that, as I obviously don't think it's talked about enough, and so I'm bringing it to the table. I would love to hear your thoughts on either my situation or just even that myriad of stats that are, again, doesn't say that will be your situation, but those are the real-life numbers. Your thoughts, King? Yeah, I like that story because it, it, just one element of what I was talking about earlier is, uh, you know, you're saying that the uh, father missing from the home uh, provides a more perspective, a different perspective and, uh, on our life situations. And one of my last school board meeting, a principal in, in reference to, or not principal, a superintendent in reference to uh, student performance uh, said that, if the parents would get involved, and uh, she started to continue, and I said, wait a minute, what about foster kids? What about orphans? What about homeless kids? Are, are we not able to uh, provide the necessary skills for performance um, to, to those kids? Is it only ones with, with parents involved? And and the point was, and I wasn't trying to put on the spot, but the point is mm-hmm. A lot of these kids don't have the resources that we're talking about to to have the perfect situation for for their uh, to be able to excel in, in where we want to them want them to excel, and that's what I'm, I mean by you know can we put enough uh, can we get enough uh, um, social workers in the in the school mm-hmm. can we get an, uh, an more uh, programs that get male teachers in the school. Uh, teachers who who are familiar with and, and just in their in who they are, where they come from, are are able to deliver a CRT uh, educational environment, not not culture, not or or culturally uh, responsive relevant. teaching, mm-hmm. uh, responsive or relevant. Uh, it, so those are the things that allow us to reach those kids and and cover a gap. Mm-hmm. That national policy for years has has um, uh, caused by taking fathers out of the home uh, uh, for various reasons, tough on crime laws, uh, 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 war on drugs type policy, and things like that. So we have to find ways to compensate in those areas. And uh, you know, for for you, thankfully you had somebody in place. But I think there's a lot of people that have the gaps that that you didn't have at that point. Um, and we have to figure out ways to uh, fill those gaps um, uh, as we resolve other issues that cause the gaps. Uh, thank you for those thoughts. Tanjanika, anything, any thoughts to my story? Again, kind of obviously having a little agenda to the, today because, again, I think it is a factor in this very discussion in my personal opinion. Um, but any thoughts on that story or how it relates to today from your personal perspective? Um, yes, I think you were extremely fortunate to have your grandfather in the home to give you that guidance. And just like the gentleman just said, everyone is not in that same position. I was raised in a two-parent household, and I get the importance of it. I also am surrounded by black men who love their children and who are daily uh, in their lives daily. So I, coming from a totally different perspective, of seeing the positive aspects of when a black father is present, and I understand how important and vital it is. I do think that because we have other issues in our community, it's not as black and white or cut dry as, like, you should be there. That's 
Mm-hmm. It's more to it than that in our community. And if we address those issues, then we can start to um, address other issues. It's not just crime and vicinity. It's uh, lack of education. It's food deserts. It's, you know, it's always more to the story than what we uh, portray. And I think that um, getting getting fathers back in the home is awesome. But to his point, you know, if we had more social workers, if we had more black teachers, awesome. But what's the incentive for them to do that if the children are in the in the schools and you want them to raise the children, you want them to be disciplinary, you want them to educate them, you want them, you're asking too much of individuals. This this is a community effort, and maybe if we had some programs outside of school, because we recognize that school is not the place for them to actually learn life saving skills. So it's way more to the story than just that. Yeah, I love the social worker idea, but as he said, this also um, in even in jumping on the social worker worker thing, it is the aspect of well, well, my taxes go up. Like he's just being honest honest about the balancing act. As good as that solution, I think is. Uh, I have another caller who's a big advocate of that. She's in that field, and it absolutely has to be somewhat of a band aid to as much again as much as I'm harping on it, you're right. It's not as simple as saying be there. So I'm very aware of that as well. And so I definitely love the idea of the social worker, if you will. Um Elisa or Ashley, either one of y'all can kinda of jump in here. Um for the callers out there, we only have five minutes left, so I won't be able to get to the rest of you, but thank y'all for being with us. Call in next Saturday and we'll get your three cents. Um but Elisa or Ashley, either one of y'all can jump in. I'm gonna let y'all fight for it. Whoever's lot quickest gets to talk. <laughs> I'm going to try to jump in from my story because I have something to say right, about ahead. that. All right, go ahead. So uh, real quick, so as far as, you know, the, the more fathers in the home and the responsibility and the role model as versus, you know, the social workers, they're not mutually exclusive. I think that we've got to be able to, to realize that we can have both and we should Absolutely. have both. We need to have both. And I think that's the whole the whole key here because a lot of families are separate now. People are all over the country. You don't have uncles and brothers and stuff right there with the kids when there is a missing parent, you know, like we used to have. The other part of that, just to what you were saying earlier about your situation, um, you know, you took something else and you extracted something else from what that message of handling something on the spot. And I think we have to realize that a lot of these kids and younger people say they don't, aren't necessarily pushed to have that critical thinking. We're part, we have folks who are part of the input-output generation, right? You put something mm-hmm. in, you get that exact same thing out. They're not mm-hmm. able to extrapolate that out sometimes mm-hmm. and pull yeah. out the additional lesson that's part of that, and that's something that we got to remember when it comes to, you know, when we're dealing with the kids. But we do need both. We need nature. We need nurture, right? We need all of that, and we also need those social workers. We need social-emotional learning. This is a complex issue, but it, yes. nonetheless, it is an issue that we are dealing with in our community, and we all have to be part of the solution because emotion without the benefit of intellect is a recipe for disaster. I love it. I got to go back to Tanjanika because I want to make sure people can find out how to get and be a part of the the amazing training that you offer. So if you will, Queen, um, you can give a quick thought, but more so let them know how they can follow you and stay in contact because we definitely could do more time on this conversation. So just a quick thought and let them know how to stay in contact with you. Thank you, first of all, for having me on the show. This was so uh, warming and thought-provoking, and I love the perspectives of everyone. And I just want to end by saying that this the gun is going to do what the gun does. The gun, if it sits on a shelf for 1,500 years, it will never go off. It's when you get it in the hands of irresponsible people, that's when negligence happens. And so training is important, conflict resolution, the escalation tactics, all the things that I've mentioned are paramount to creating a more just and civilized society. So thank you all for having me. You can find me 
on all social media at Tactical Tangerine Defense. I am also at tacticaltangerine.com, and um, I have my training up there, and we also have some special things coming up with a training academy as well. So I'm super excited to introduce that to you all. So thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for anybody out there looking to get emotional intelligence training, uh, Melissa is an amazing um, resource for that. So if you will, Elisa, let them know how they can stay in contact with you and even be, I don't know if they, people can be a part of some of the stuff you're doing here, that you're doing here currently. I don't know if other people can jump in, but if so, make sure you let them know. Absolutely. So you can catch me on uh, pretty much all social media with I am Ms. Word. It's two M's, I-A-M-M-Z-W-O-R-D, and you can get connected with me on that. Also, I am now the North American Program Manager for Six Seconds, which is the largest global emotional intelligence network in the world. We're in over 190 countries now, and uh, we have everything from unlocking EQ to getting, you know, more involved, becoming an actual practitioner and all those things. And we also have youth programs as well. So please get in touch with me, uh, whether it's through that portion of it or even with, you know, what I am personally doing. And um, let's have the conversation, whether you're talking about it in the workplace, in the school, or even in your family. Now, I love it. I also would like to get you connected to Dr. Northern, who called in earlier, just because y'all are in similar spaces, and you know how I am about just people connecting to see if they can actually. So I just want to let you know personally, I want to get you connected to to him as well. Um, Ashley, thank you for holding me down this morning. we got about a minute. A quick thought, and make sure you let people know how they can follow you as well. Um, Please do that now. Thank you, Queen, for being with me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I, I just think this really emphasizes the the point of having community and knowledge and really being willing to have the conversation. So I hope that um, you will share this with other people so that they can join in and, and get the knowledge. And um, the second Tuesday of every month, Making Money Matter Mondays, join us for a conversation on money and emotions um, with Dr. Pittman. And you can find me on Instagram at Making Money Matter LLC, as well as TikTok and Facebook. Now, thank you. A wonderful discussion. As Ashley said, uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all streaming radio platforms after the fact. So if you love this show and want to share it with others, then they need to hear the three cents that was delivered. I'll catch up. Is that? Yes, sir.